Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach. Today we have another great guest, Sarah Blomgren. You might know Sarah from her outstanding indoor and beach career at University of South Carolina, or possibly because she was the head coach at Arizona Christian University, but now you're going to know her as she steps into her new role as the assistant coach at Coastal Carolina. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. This will be uh, this will be the first time we'll have two double chickens on the show. Um, Go as, Cox. Yeah, Sarah and I are pretty much the same. Um, we both went to the University of South Carolina, and she played beach volleyball there. I, I obviously worked for the team. And now she's the assistant at Coastal, and I was also the assistant at Coastal not too long ago. Um, that's about the end for our th- oh, and we both lived in California. We might be the same human being. Uh, I think we're just following in each other's footsteps. Yeah, so it's just the best. You just followed me, so I've got to follow you after this. So yeah, we'll pick a good spot for the one. next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> pick something really good. Would you mind? Okay, cool, uh, cool. <laughs> no, uh, we were just talking about this before the show, right? But super funny that Sarah and I, I would call us friends for sure. Um, and we definitely know like a lot of the same people and have been a lot of the same places, but we've never really been the same place at the same time. Like you were at Carolina and then I showed up right after you and you went back out to California and then I showed up right after, I think you were playing pro in Spain maybe. And then COVID hits and I bail out of Cali and you come back and then you go to Arizona. And so we always just kind of like hopscotched around, um, but obviously somebody that kind of talked to a lot and talk a lot of shop with um, about how to coach. And I've really enjoyed learning how you see it from a player, former player's perspective, Um, and then getting to run a program at a different level, being NAIA and Arizona Christian. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you decided, like playing pro in Spain was super fun, but then the world shut down and now I'm going to go run this program at a school that most people probably haven't heard of. Yeah, that was a wild journey for sure. Um, Yeah, Spain was my fourth year being overseas. And I kind of already, as that season went on, I kind of already had it in my heart to know that it was maybe my last season. Um, Just body was feeling it and missing a lot of events at home and, um, you know, big milestones in, in family and friends' lives. So I was kind of feeling like ready to come back and, and start a new chapter anyways. And so COVID was kind of almost like a blessing in disguise. It, it cut our, unfortunately, I guess, but it cut our play, playoff season a little bit short. So I had to come home right away. Um, and as soon as I got home, I was like one of the first um, Americans that left Europe when that shutdown happened, a lot of them just kind of stayed around and were like, we're going to wait it out. And I was like, Nope, I'm out of here. So I got home in the nick of time. Um, and after that it was okay, what's next. And I had loved, obviously indoor is a huge part of my life. Um, but I loved beach at South Carolina and that was kind of the first opportunity for me to get proper coaching and just like the game of beach is so different than indoor. And so I knew that I had coaching kind of hanging out in the back of my brain. I was trying to pursue like medical device sales. As soon as I got home, I was like, all right, let me make this money. Let's figure this out. I'm going to be rich. Let's go. And um, 
yeah, the, the world had other plans for me. And I'm really grateful for that because, um, coaching has just been something that I never thought I would, would get into, but as I coach, um, and even as I got kind of thrown into a head coaching role at Arizona Christian, um, the learning as you grow in teaching has been a really cool perspective for me these past couple of years. How did you wind up at ACU? So you come back, right? COVID happens. You're chilling at home. You're trying medical device sales. Um, <laughs> you realize that making money is super overrated. Let's let's get into volleyball coaching. Totally. Um, and so what ACU calls you or you call them or. Yeah. So um, all my plans for medical device sales were just not coming to fruition. And meanwhile, the voice in the back of my head was like coaching, coaching. I knew I wanted to stay in the beach realm and really dive fully into beach only. My brother was actually playing ice hockey at Arizona State at the time. And um, I think maybe he had just graduated and he was um, living with his fiance at the time. And I was like, cool, you know, I love Arizona. I, I kind of want to get out of California. It's expensive here, you know, whatever. And so I was like, maybe I'll make the move out to Arizona. Let's see if there's any, um, you know, coaching opportunities. So I literally go in the old Google and type in beach coach, Arizona, boom. And ACU is the first thing that popped up and um, just started. I called the, the indoor coach who was kind of overseeing the hiring process for the beach coach. At the time, um, he was kind of running both programs on his own. And I'd never felt, even in all my seasons, playing overseas and making that big decision to go overseas for seven, eight months, I'd never felt the amount of peace that I felt when I went to ACU. Because it was just, I even went to campus and kind of got a tour and whatever. And um, just the people there and kind of the mission and the vision of the school aligned perfectly with just my heart. And I was like, boom, we're going to make it happen. I didn't have a place to, to live. The Lord worked that out. Like I got a place to live to rest my head, you know, and it all worked out. And so, um, yeah, Google does wonders. <laughs> and when you went in to be the head coach, like it was a pretty new program, I think one or two years before you got there. And then you also have COVID. And then this is also your first coaching job. So you went through a lot of hardship just in that first year, let alone the, the extended time you stayed there. What kind of coaching tips would you give to a young coach just trying to get into it that you had to learn by making a mistake and coming back on or like you just happened to luckily stumble into the right situation? Yeah, it's definitely deny all your mistakes always. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um yeah, it was wild because I, I had a little bit of coaching experience. I coached, um, and this maybe is controversial because some people are like diehard gold medal squared fans and some people are like, they're a cult, whatever. Um, but they were awesome because I had done some summer camps indoor with them. And I liked GMS because they got into the science of coaching and kind of like breaking down a practice plan and what does like, what's structure what structures are we going to put in place to get what we want out of these athletes for any given specific practice? And so that was like my first experience of going from athlete to actually thinking like a coach, because I think a lot of players stop playing and then they think, okay, I'm just going to coach because I know this sport 
but really coaching is such a, a skill that needs to be developed. And that's really what I learned my first year is um, be willing to learn about the art of coaching and the science behind coaching. And there's so many people talking about that right now, just in the volleyball world, but also just in the broader scheme of sports, um, ton of podcasts out there. So I think when I first got to ACU, you know, COVID didn't recruit any of those players, you know, my first year at a university level, um, I thought that I had to be kind of like the player that I was at kind of the D1 level or even the professional level where it was like, okay, we're going to get in, we're going to do this, boom, we're going to leave, you're going to be on top of everything, almost like, you know, military style. I was just like, I got to have everything in place. I have to have every um, standard set in the team handbook. And I got to know what, what I'm doing. Otherwise, they're going to see me crumble. And surely enough, I, cr I crumbled on my own. They didn't even <laughs> see it because you're upholding this vision of what you think you've seen from coaches or from programs from afar. Um, but really, I learned after that first year that truly like the vulnerability that the girls see in you and being honest and upfront and open about like, Hey guys, this is a new program. We're going to try some things and sometimes it's not going to work out, but we're going to go for it. And I think this might work. This is why if it doesn't work, we'll switch it up. And I was so resistant to that because I felt like I had to have all the X's and O's, you know, and once they got to see that like realness and like coaching in process. That's when the relationship started to um, get better. That's when like team chemistry bonding, like the mission of our team started to have more of a cohesive feel because it was everyone just being real um, and saying, Hey, I think this is, this is what's going to work. Um, let's give it a go and not being afraid of failing and switching it up. I was terrified of failing. Yeah. So did you, right. You had to go and try something outrageously new going overseas and coaching, you know, was there any failure that occurred? Maybe your first year, where, where were you before Finland one year and or Sweden one year or something like that? And yeah. Uh, right. Was there any failure there? Was there failure with a team or language or. Yeah, that was, that was the gnarliest kind of part <clears throat> of my playing journey. I played in England Finland, Serbia, and Spain, and tons of failure, tons of newness. Um, I think I learned a lot as, as a player and a human, um, and looking back, a lot of that was purposeful for me being a coach now, for sure. Um, I think I'm the type of personality where I'm just going to go on a new adventure. Like, I'm just, let's just go find out what's out there, um, and I think I'm okay with being in new spaces and not necessarily knowing what's going to happen. Um, I wasn't always like that, but I think playing overseas definitely grew that part of my personality because there's, you know, think about your college experience. Well, my college experience is like, okay, the itinerary is set for you, like weeks in advance, you know, everything, your academic advisor knows everything, you know, everything is set for you as an athlete. You've got all your resources at the drop of a hat. It's really like you're, man, you're living the good life. Like the best life was college life, but everyone else did the thinking for you, you know, especially at the division one level. And so going overseas, 
I had to get okay with the fact that I was in a group chat that everyone's speaking Finnish and nobody's giving me the 411 on when we're leaving tomorrow morning to go take a 13-hour bus ride up to the North Pole. Um, <laughs> and what that itinerary, like there's no itineraries. There's no, we're stopping at the gas station. They had really nice gas stations in Finland, but we're stopping, we're getting food on the way, like figure it out, make sure you don't forget anything and you're good and, and just show up when you think your teammates are going to be there. Um, so a lot of flying by the seat of your pants and kind of learning on the fly, I think helped me let go of feeling like I had to be in control of a lot of things. And I think once I got past that and my first season of coaching, then I was like, yeah, what the heck? I know, I know how to do this. I know how to think on the fly. Like I've done this four years in a row. Um, and it's been, there's been so much cool fruit that comes out of that, you know? So it's a lot of like reminding yourself that past experiences help in the future, you know? Yeah. yeah. Was there a big highlight from playing internationally? Like any memory that sticks out? Anything that really like, oh yeah, that was something to, to share. <laughs> There's some hilarious ones that definitely aren't highlights. Um, but I would say there's there's one that I don't know if I'm I'm ready to share on this platform because it it's it's yeah it's it's tough. Um, Serbian bathrooms are not great. They're they're typically hole in the ground. So we'll save that one for another time. But one of the most hilarious memories in Finland was so they gave me the club that I played for. They gave me a bicycle to get to and from practice, and I was like, oh sick! Like it's only like a seven minute bike ride love this well november hits and starts snowing and doesn't stop snowing all through the rest of the year um and so i go hey you know i can't really drive my my bike in the snow anymore i i tried once and i crashed and fell and uh they're like oh okay we fix we fix so bring my bike into the to the gym and they end up changing the back no the front tire from a summer tire to a winter tire. And they go, you know, actually we only have one winter tire left. So your front's gonna have the winter and you still are rocking with the summer tire on the back. And I was like, um, okay, so this is this is where we're at. So I, I give it a whirl, driving back from, uh, from practice and I'm just fishtailing, like out of control, can't do anything, crashing. So I'm like, all right, we gotta ditch the bike. And, uh, and meanwhile, I, I literally went and bought snowboarding goggles because it's snowing it's coming down on you i'm going maybe like 15 miles an hour down the road and i feel like i'm just getting pelted in the eyeballs with <laughs> with snow and so i'm like send help i don't know what to do here i'm from california i don't know what what this what this life is um and sure enough they were like yeah you just hitch a ride with a teammate or just walk and i was like all right i can walk maybe it's like 15 minutes and still falling falling right, right on my butt. So, um, so just getting around and transportation wasn't always the best specifically when, uh, there's a couple feet of snow on the ground. So, so you've had all these adventures, right? You seem, you go out to another country, you ride bicycles that don't work super great. Um, now you've just, you've gotten to coaching and now you're jumping into an assistant role. Um, right. So you, as far as I know, your only coaching career so far has been the head coach at ACU, um, what excites you? What interests you about this challenge? What made you even want to go to Coastal in the first place? Yeah, I think what's been great about um, 
there's been a lot of pros and cons about jumping into a head coaching role without any training wheels, I guess, per se. So I think a lot of ACU was kind of learning on the fly, learning as I was going, and at times kind of just throwing ideas out there, casting a line and seeing if things would work. And I think I gained so many great skills because at the NAI level, um, first of all, every time we, we went out recruiting and I saw you calling like, you know, I was just, I would say, Hey, it's NAI is jungle rules because I can go up to anybody I want and chat with them, you know? And, um, and so there's, there's a lot of cool leeway within the NAI, but also you're the one wearing all the hats. Um, and I, I know that there's programs that probably at the, at the D1 or D2 level that have that as well, but it was cool to be able to kind of do everything admin wise. Um, I mean, I basically was like the team therapist and my assistant coach for the past two years was amazing. Um, and so she actually, she's had a lot of experience coaching Priscilla Tallman. Um, she's all American at Georgia back in the nineties. She's just like an absolute icon to me. So she helped me through a lot of like having someone to process stuff with, but it was just me like figuring it out. And so I got to a point after this past year of like, okay, I would love to grow more and learn from people that have been doing it at, at the higher level for longer and have more of an established program. Um, and I've realized that at the moment after coming from being a head coach, I want a role where I can just be of service. Like I want to serve my head coach. I want to serve my, my athletes, my team. I want to serve the school and I want to be in that role. I, I want that support role so that I can continue to absorb and support. And then, you know, maybe one day get back into the head coaching role, but um, it's not necessarily like a pride thing for me. It's how much can I learn and where am I going to position myself to learn and absorb as much as I can um, and then go from there. And, you know, I don't got to make the final decisions anymore, which is kind of like a breath of fresh air. So that's kind of nice. Steve loves making the final decision. Uh, yeah. So, right. <laughs> gotten to be kind of probably your own mentor to some people. Um, and now you're, you're kind of looking to, to absorb information again. Have you had any mentors? Have you had any people that you've been able to kind of bounce things off of and, and chat with and learn from over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think um, everyone that I've met, whether it's just briefly or have had multiple conversations with or who I call regularly has made an impact. And some of those, some of those people aren't even in um, the beach world necessarily, but I do give a lot of credit to my assistant Priscilla from these past two years, just because um, it was, it was an interesting dynamic. And I think sometimes you think of, I'd, I'd be intrigued to hear different people's philosophies on coaching staff dynamics and what they like and, and what people think works well, but she was a little bit older than me. And so it was a young head coach with an older assistant. And that seems to be an odd or uncommon dynamic, but it worked really well because she, she helped me. She's a, um, she, I think she has her master's in clinical psychology. So she cares a lot about the mental health space and, um, mental skills and just getting people 
um, aware of how that plays a factor in just how they perform and even just life, making good humans. Um, this sport mimics life so well. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't focus on that mental part. So she opened my eyes up to that whole world that I had never, you know, I came in, remember like military sergeant, like just practice and go to sleep. Like, why are you, why are you whining? I don't understand. Like we, I had to do it. I had to walk uphill two ways in the snow, whatever, on a bike with one tire. You know? <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Like I get to say that. Um, but no, it's about, it's about the people and it's about like taking a second even if it's not in the practice plan to ask if everyone's okay, <laughs> like, are we okay today? So she taught me a lot about that and just a lot of different podcasts um, that I've listened to. I mean, the Sandcast is great. Coaches on the beach is up and coming. Love it. Love that you guys are, are interviewing a ton of awesome coaches. Um, you know, art of coaching, um, the guys at Goldmill square that are doing it over there and just breaking down coaching. Like I kind of, well, I'm a big podcast girl, so I try and get as much absorption just from all different perspectives. But I think my friends in coaching, I mean, RJ is always somebody that I've been like, hey, I need to chat with you about this. Or even a couple of years ago, Colin, our good friend, Katie Zimmerman, who's coaching indoor at Wichita State. She was a fellow Gamecock. Um, Jade Hayes and RJ and Colin and even Katie Leak would pop on from time to time. And we would just talk about life and programs and we were all at different levels and different um, areas of the country and indoor and beach, but just having a community of people where we can be like, okay, what are you guys struggling with right now? Cause is this just me? And uh, you guys have talked about this before on your podcast, but how cool the coaching community is specifically with beach that everyone's willing to share. There is no secret. No one's trying to keep the secrets at least yet until we get big, like indoor, maybe, and it's more of a conglomerate, <laughs> but, but right now it's just like, everyone's so willing to share and it's more organic. So everyone I've been trying to meet, um, whether it's recruiting or things like this, uh, just trying to gain some nuggets of wisdom. This is, this is kind of, a, I'm going to take you back a little bit because you've mentioned it a couple of times going to South Carolina, you got RJ, you got Colin, you guys kind of have similar backgrounds. I want to take you back to your recruiting process and kind of get some more background information. Um, so when you were out in California, you decided to go all the way out to South Carolina. And I believe I, I talked to one of your former club coaches, Tony Kerr, and you said that the Kerr family has been your coach throughout in some fashion. Um, and he mentioned that you were one of the quickest players he's ever coached that got off the ground and you had a live arm and that was club or collegiately. And he coached at UCLA. So some pretty good players going through that program, but he also still uses you as a reference because of your recruiting process and how you rec you uh, committed a little bit later to South Carolina and you were probably under recruited throughout your entire club scene. Um, but kind of talk us through your recruiting process and then going to South Carolina and all that impact. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Kerr family. They've, they've always been awesome, but I think my recruiting process, when I look back at it, what I remember is my, first of all, my parents being super supportive, but also not really knowing what's going on because I was the first person in my family to like get a college scholarship and, and go to college. My brother and I, went to college around the same time, but he's a couple years older than me. Um, he played junior hockey for a while. So he kind of just 
hung out and, and played and then decided to go to school. So it was really like I was the guinea pig of the family. And so they were like, you know, you do what you need to do. We'll support you, but we don't really know. So you research the schools, you call them, you email them, you put your video together, you do the thing. Um, and that's, I think that was a really cool thing that my parents did because I know, I mean, I've coached club, uh, club beach at stealth in, um, Arizona for the past three years as well. And some of the, um, just being in the club world, seeing how some of the parents are just like the managers of that athlete's life. And the athlete is just like, okay, my parents are doing this for me. They're putting the video, they're stopping and starting and they're whatever. And they're emailing the schools and talking to the coaches. It's like, no, first of all, no coach wants that. And second of all, you're not getting any independence um, for yourself and, and figuring it out for yourself. So I do remember that initially I went on a couple visits. Um, I think my, my last three schools that I came down to were Santa Clara, um, Coastal, and South Carolina. So I actually did a double official where I went to South Carolina for two days. And then Mo, Moritz Moritz, who was the assistant indoor coach at the time, drove me up to Coastal Carolina to drop me off for my Coastal visit and drove back down with his family, with his wife and his like freshly born son at the time. And I, I just remember that being like such a legend move of like a selfless act that he would do that. Um, and I just think, again, I wanted an adventure. I always wanted to kind of be different than everybody else. And everyone wanted to stay in California from my high school, from my community where I was. And I was like, guys, but what else is out there? Like, we don't know unless we go. And the South was just a whole nother world. People are saying, have a blessed day. They're calling you sweetie. They're saying, bless your heart. Their whole doors open for you. which is <laughs> not a thing that happens in California. And I was just blown away. I was like, well, this is a different world. Um, and it's in a big conference. But the thing that I remember that is kind of my advice for anybody in the recruiting process is sitting down with Walt Kerr, my, my club director, and kind of going through, okay, what are, what do I want? you know, and that's academics, that's, do I want, you know, football team there, whatever, like all the things that are on my list. And then getting realistic with yourself as a player of saying, okay, for me personally, I was deciding, do I want to be a big fish in a small pond? Or do I want to be kind of a smaller fish in a big pond with potential to, to grow? Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be um, like an All-American at Penn State powerhouse at the time. Like I, I was realistic with that. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being realistic like that. Because for me, I was like, listen, I want to be able to, to play and contribute to a team. And I think South Carolina was a perfect fit because we were kind of lower in the conference when I got there. Um, we got a little momentum throughout my career, but we were not like the Florida and but we, I did get that big pond experience, but I still got to contribute on a smaller team, if that makes sense. And so I think considering like, do you want to be on a USC team and just have a ring, but sit the bench, or do you actually want to go to a place where you can contribute and say, Hey, I helped them get to that spot, you know? So yeah, the recruiting process was interesting for me. It was very late. I signed, you know, my senior year, which is kind of like unheard of, I feel like these days. Um, but it was all for a reason. Like it was all, it worked out how it should have, you know? Yeah. And you, you mentioned Moritz Moritz there, right? So who, who recruited you to South Carolina? 
Mo actually came out to one of my um, California club tournaments. I remember seeing him there and getting to say hi to him. I know I couldn't like talk to him or something like that. I, I forget when he did, but he actually came out to California and, and watched my games. But I was in contact with the head coach at the time um, was Scott Swanson. Um, but when I went on my visit, I got to meet Mo um, and all of those guys. And there were talks of getting a beach program. So that also intrigued me to play beach. I had played in like a couple CBDAs throughout high school, but just kind of figuring it out and just, yeah, just not doing great. But, you know, hey, we're going to get smoked by the 50-year-old ladies in Lululemon tracksuits, but that's all right. We're out here. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was kind of a mixture between uh, Moritz and Scott Swanson who recruited me. Yeah. And what is it about them and that process that made you kind of pick that school um, and now maybe you try to use as a recruiter yourself? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think maybe it has a little bit to do with that. I've, I've not really thought about how they got me too much, but I think even just as I've been going about recruiting and learning the best methods to recruit, I think it's just the more that an athlete can get to know personally their, their coach, um, get to know, you know, their family talking about things they like, like as a real human, you know, I think it makes it a more intriguing process and the athletes can feel comfortable. It's about comfortability, making them feel like they have a home, uh, and not kind of just these X's and O's promises of like, yeah, you know, we're going to be this and this and this in conference, but it's like, we're going to compete. We're going to pursue excellence, but also like, we're going to be good. We're going to try and be good people. And that's what we want our program to be about. If an athlete knows that there's a clear mission and objective of a team, if it, it makes it more intriguing to, to jump on board with that, that makes sense. So if I'm an athlete and I'm like, okay, they're about this, then that's a clear message for me of, okay, I'm also about that. I want to be a part of that. If teams have kind of messy um, program expectations or like don't really have a mission or something that they're kind of about that they can cling to, it's tougher and more confusing for an athlete to, to get on board. Yeah. And you mentioned getting to know people as, as humans. Um, I have to know, has, jujitsu or donuts come up in your recruiting very often <laughs> um, oh man um i've actually had players come up to me at camps or like coaching clinics and being like coach i heard that you like donuts you got to try this place that you, while you're in town and i'm like you know what i'm adding it to my list right now i have a list on my phone on my notes of all the places i've been around the world and i check them off um and yeah, I guess jujitsu comes up more now. I've been doing it for a year and a half and um, it's jujitsu has been a, a whole nother thing for just becoming a new learner and like, I don't know, learning um, kind of in the same way that some of our girls learn. Like we, we tend to get frustrated as coaches, like, why aren't they getting this? And then I'll go in jujitsu and I'll be like, why aren't I getting this? <laughs> it's like my brain is not connected to my body. And so it kind of humbles me in that way. Um, so I've loved jujitsu for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. But yeah, I try and I'm an open book, you know, people know that I love donuts. People know that I do jujitsu and that I like rock music and metal music. So that's kind of, those are the main things, I guess. 
How'd you get into metal? My dad was in a metal band. Um, my brother was a skater punk guy uh, throughout my whole life. And so just their influence. My dad grew up um, in slight classic rock, but also old school metal. So that's just been my whole life. Like family car trips, we're listening to Godsmack and Disturbed and Iron Maiden and Alice in Chains. And I feel like not a lot of other young girls were growing up like headbanging in the car for a family road trip. Yeah, would you go behind backstage uh, to dad's shows, or, or was he playing? At nah, he yeah, he was just like a local local player. He built a studio actually in our garage, and so a lot of his his buddies and his bandmates would come over and they'd play for like our families and stuff, and for kind of like the town. So they they recorded like a demo, but they never played big shows. I want to take you back to the donuts. What's what's your what's your favorite donut? place off the top of your head right now okay first thing that comes to mind chalk in barcelona spain uh it's c-h-o with the dots over it and then a k they man i just wish i could go back there all the time they've got cronuts which is croissant donuts um for the lay person (laughs) um the the non-donut connoisseur um they've got ones that are like filled with the nutella cream on the inside but like piping around the donut not like just a jelly filled or whatever it's it's very well done um that's a good place i mean there's there's so many places we could talk we could do another podcast on donuts so i gotta throw uh throw a plug in for somebody that actually all all three of us kind of know um morgan thomas who's now at tcu um and i think was a ga when you were there yeah yeah um, so she, I had worked at camp with her this summer and her and her husband, I think are opening a duck donuts. No way. Fort Worth. Um, there's a duck, I think by you actually belongs, I think up in Wilmington, they've got one. Yeah. Um, there's one in Columbia as well. That's a duck donuts is good. I mean, it's like a, you know, create your own classic cake, fried donut, all yeah. the toppings. It's pretty, pretty solid. Maybe we need like a, a Gamecock alumni. Um, inspired duck donut at this location in Ooh. Fort Worth. Um, so I'm gonna yeah. have to talk to her. Yeah, let's get with Morgan see if you can't uh, if you can't get the Blomgren the Blomgren special. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm be seriously legendary. impressed on how deep your reviews go on donuts. Like you, you were. You I were mean, really... you got you got the cake fried right, and then you've got like the yeast rays, like the traditional, and you've got you know your apple fritters you've got your old fashions you got your long johns i mean you got it all you got to know the differences it's it's first grade <laughs> it's first grade <laughs> Donut that, first grade so you know something that i like to do a lot is i, I meet with my players a lot over coffee um so anyway we find a place that isn't that isn't the office right or isn't the courts because i think so often those places have really serious connotations to them right and the right. coffee meetings are, are meant to be very um non-informal informal is the word that i think i was going for there um do you have anything like that that you like to do right as a head coach at a smaller program um you mentioned being the therapist a little bit right you are at a school where, where maybe there's not as big of a community around right acu is a, a pretty small university if i'm not mistaken uh, mm-hmm. Have you utilized anything like that environments or anything that you 
as kind of your tool or your, your deal? Um, you know, my office, we had, uh, a big comfy chair in my office. So I kind of tried to keep my office as a space that was open for anything. So we had girls that would go in there and just come and get snacks and just chat and be like, coach, what are you doing? We're in between classes. And they would just like, you know, try and bother me and distract me, which is totally fine. Like, come on in, you know, you're welcome. And then it was also a place for like kind of more serious talks and meetings. Um, we did have a cafe on campus, so I would meet with our leadership group um, and we would kind of do like a morning devotional and, and kind of leadership discussion uh, every other week at the campus coffee shop. But other than that, I kind of tried to keep my office as that space of like, it's a multi-purpose situation. Um, but here I feel like there's a lot of surrounding things in the, I've already met with a couple players that are, have been here for the summer. And I was like, Hey, what's your favorite coffee shop? Um, and so they've give, they've taken me a couple different places. And so trying to utilize the coffee shop method actually a little bit more than just the office, especially now that I, I don't have my own office. <laughs> Yeah, if I had to guess, uh, Rustic Roast has probably made it on the on the list. Yeah, been there twice in one day, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that place became the, the favorite pretty fast. It was uh, solid. Out of curiosity, more for myself than anything, was the comfy chair still utilized if there was like a disciplinary conversation or things along those lines? Or would they like move over to like a more rigid chair? Um. You know, it's funny because my assistant coach was the one that really utilized the comfy chair a lot in, in any and all conversations. <laughs> that was kind of her chair. Um, if she wasn't in the room, if they were just stopping by and hanging, they would go there. But it was kind of like, that's that's Coach P's chair, and we're going to sit across the room <laughs> for the hard combos. Yeah. I don't know. It just We didn't make it that way. It just kind of happened that way. Yeah. Are you... Do you have any plans for, you know, your new role? Like you said, service, right? But is there anything that you're hoping to to bring to the program that might be different than what they've done before? Um, that's a really great question that's kind of in progress. Um, right now I'm getting a lay of the land of like what, what they are about and what they have done before um, and seeing where I can contribute in different ways or, or put different ideas in place. Um, I'm really excited to, to be in a role where I can be more relational with the girls. I think that's another hard part about being a head coach is um, just kind of how it happens where sometimes it's, it's tougher for girls to go to the head coach over kind of the assistant coach for, for different things. And so I'm excited to be more of a, be more in, in a relational role um, in a mentorship role. I think that's kind of where I strive to be, um, be the best at, um, not the best, but like my best is being relational. So mostly that, um, maybe if I can help streamline things in any way and, and not saying that things aren't streamlined, but just, um, organizationally, I feel like that's also kind of one of my strong suits. And so if I can help in any ways that way, and just kind of ease pressure in terms of admin stuff, um, and recruiting, I love recruiting. I love the connection points. Um, talking with future student athletes and, and their families and getting to know them. So those are kind of a couple of things I'm excited about. No, that's good. And with, with you making a change, um, we, we kind of have a, an ending question that we try to ask everyone if I don't forget to ask it, but 
what would you like to see out of the NCAA beach game over the next so many years? Or what, what could help progress us forward or make a change that would be good for the game? Yeah, um, I think it's kind of already happening, but um, I think that the coaches that um, are amazing, I mean, we've seen a ton of coaching shifts and new programs spurting up this year. And it's kind of forcing administrations to take beach a little bit more seriously in terms of pay um, and all around. I mean, men and women um, coaches and assistants and heads and obviously being able to have a third assistant paid now uh, or a second assistant, third coach um, is huge. But the more that um, we can make a splash and have ESPN and a lot of these providers like for our tournament and, and we can do a good job of getting national coverage. Um, I think that that's going to help programs and administrations and schools see, Hey, this, this sport um, is the real deal. And hopefully we can continue to grow to a point where we can pay our coaches a little bit more. And it's not just, Hey, we got to come here and, and work three jobs and figure it out. Um, I think there's a little more transparency actually with, what coaches are making across the board from some of the top coaches to a little bit lower. And I think that puts pressure on administrations, which is good. We need to put a little pressure on them sometimes. Um, But I think it's huge. I mean, coaches don't coach, like Colin said in the beginning, coaches don't coach necessarily because of the money, especially in the beach world. We're coaching because we love it. We love the athletes. We want to see them grow as humans and the sport of beach volleyball mimics life in so many ways. And so why not, you know, a worker is worthy of their wages. And so I think we got to do a better job of, of paying us so we can be millionaires, essentially. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't stop. I won't sleep until Michael is paid the same way that Nick Saban is paid. Or yes, we so, need it. <laughs> it's got to be coming. It's I mean, coming down the road. What's the difference? I mean, Michael, you doubled. Double. You doubled Nick Saban's wins last year. <laughs> I think I think it's just like a couple commas and maybe like six or seven zeros. Um, <laughs> it's casual. That's it. Yeah. Well, Bloms, it was, it was awesome having you on. We really appreciate you uh, kind of joining us. I know life's pretty hectic with, I don't know, moving down the street, basically, or across the country, whichever way you skip. Um, and so we really appreciate you kind of finding some time to, to sit and chat with us. Obviously glad to see you, uh, at a place where I think you'll find success, but also be able to help them be successful, uh, as my old school definitely have a lot of love for them. Um, and tears, I see a tear. There's, there's no tears. Don't, They're don't, forming people. Don't you could see Colin's uh, tears. <laughs> all right, I take back all the nice things I said, uh, <laughs> No, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to have you. It's great to call you a friend um, and also a peer. And hopefully we can get some more of those coaching uh, Zoom phone calls like we had before rolling, maybe with some regularity uh, now that we're closer in time zones. Well, thank you guys for having me so much. I'm a huge fan of coaches on the beach. I love what you guys are doing. And uh, I basically am a fanatic listening to every episode. So I'm excited to see this thing grow. Um, I will be promoting the heck out of it. So thank you guys for taking the time. We, we definitely appreciate that. And uh, we're, we're obviously going to be big fan of yours coming up this upcoming season. I meant 
there's only a couple times where I will not root for you, and that's when we're playing <laughs> Coastal. Exactly. Um, but other than that, like, I, I hope you guys the best of luck out there. Enjoy Myrtle Beach. Um, I know Colin is feeling that too, and you know, you got you have somebody to call whenever whenever you want to talk. But thank you so much for coming on.